Turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Uh, let me, uh, let me uh, intro this story, if you will, just summarize the front end of this. In this story, the king of Aram is, is wanting to attack Israel, wanting to attack God's people. But every time that he goes to attack God's people, the king of Israel knows he's about to try. So he avoids the attack. And the king of Aram is getting frustrated because he keeps setting up these, these ambush against the people of God. And the people of God avoid the ambush. Now, I don't know if you like superheroes and, and Marvel or Justice League. And then some of you like to argue about that. Like, they're both cool to me. I don't really care as long as it's good graphics. And everybody keeps their clothes on. In the name of Jesus, keep your clothes on. I just want to watch the superheroes. So anyways, so, so I don't know if you, if you, you know this, but, but God actually had a secret weapon in the nation of Israel. He had a superhero in the nation of Israel in 2 Kings. And his name was Elisha. And here was his superpower. I like superpowers. You're not a superhero unless you have a superpower, right? If, you're, if you don't have a superpower, you're just a super zero, okay? But with a superpower, you're a superhero. And I like superheroes. And God had one. Here was his superpower. Are you ready? He had an innate ability to hear from God. I know. <sighs> like... Like every single believer in the New Testament is supposed to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit who was to remind him of the things that Jesus said and tell you of the things that are to come. We, we could be the superhero. Just saying, I'm telling Gabriel this afternoon, I don't know if you knew it or not, but I'm actually a superhero because I have a superpower. And this was this superhero's secret weapon. It was just his ability to hear from God. Did you know, hear me, did you know that if you could hear from God, you can avoid the ambush of the enemy? Oh, I thought I'd have more help than that today because you've been going up against enemies that you didn't even need to go up against because you were going down a road that you weren't supposed to be going down. But the moment that you hear from the Lord, the moment that you abide and obey to that still small voice, you could avoid an ambush that was supposed to take you out. And so Elisha kept telling the king, don't go there. They've got an ambush set up. And, and the king of Aram's getting frustrated. So he sends out uh, scouts to figure out where this, this secret weapon is. And Elisha is in school with a bunch of Bible college students. It's the school of the prophets. And he's there in Dothan. And the Bible says in verse 15 of chapter 6 that a servant... Of the man of God, the man of God is Elisha. Hey, real quick, don't be confused over Elijah and Elisha, okay? That is just the English language doing us an injustice again, okay? <laughs> because in the original Hebrew, these guys' names didn't sound the same. In the original Hebrew, Elijah was Eliyahu, or Yahweh is God, and Elisha was Elisha, which means my God is my salvation. So they were legitimately two different people. You never have to be confused again. In this story, we're talking about Elisha or Elisha. And he hears from God and, and he's in his house 
and a servant of Elisha goes outside. Let's just imagine, right? He just, he woke up and he's expecting to walk out the door. He's got his, his cup of coffee. Come on, because he brews. I have been a dad for like 11 years, just a natural tendency these days. So he had his cup of coffee and he walks outside and he takes a sip of his coffee and as he's looking over his coffee mugs, he sees all these armies. And so he, his coffee all over the front row. I mean, all over the porch. And in that moment, he, he, he sees the troops and the horses and the chariots. The Bible says everywhere, like it may look like I'm surrounded. They are by troops and horses and chariots. And he goes, oh, sir, what will we do now? No, it's not what he did. He went, ah! And to the prophet, sir, right? Because sir is still a sign of respect. Just plugging that in there. Hey, Gabriel, will you go get me? Yeah. Boy, yeah, I will. All right, so he says, sir, what are we going to do now? Because he, he sees the enemy. Isn't it interesting that when we get frustrated or scared, it seems like all we see is the enemy? Like that's all we, we just fixate on the enemy. Elisha, he's in the house, probably sitting back in his recliner because he brews too even though there's only one. And he's drinking his cup of coffee. Now listen, he knew the army was out there. Like, he's not surprised. Like, he woke up that morning, and he's like, here we go. And he got up and got dressed and went on about his morning until the servant went outside. Ah! Elijah's like, oh my goodness, here we go again. Pastor, I need to meet with you right now. Oh, my goodness. Here go. <laughs> I think Elijah's like, I, okay, I know. Hey, so I've seen this before a lot. And um, you, you really don't need to be afraid. Because I've seen this work out. Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha... I like this. Elisha prayed. And this is the highlight. Bump your sleepy neighbor and said, this is the highlight. You're about to miss it. Oh, Lord, open his eyes. If anybody's still asleep, bump them. Open his eyes, said the Lord, said the man of God. And let him see. We're going to come back to that. And the Bible says the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Okay, so often I've heard this message preached, and some of you may be familiar with this passage. And, and when I've heard it preached, it was about spiritual inspiration, right? And I'm for that. It was, it was like that, that you can do all things through Christ, that, that God is fighting for you even when you don't know that the battle needs to be fought. And if you could see the angels surrounding you, and I'm, I'm for it, I'm not against that. But today, instead of making this about spiritual inspiration, I, I want to evaluate one of the things that kind of gets skipped over in this passage sometime, and that's spiritual blindness, 
I, I want to preach a message today called I once was, I know you wanted to say lost, don't do it, blind. See, my friend, mentor, and pastor, Dr. Brian Jarrett, whom I listen to often and I will quote as often as I listen, he said blindness in the Bible is very simply just an inability to recognize the truth. Blindness in Scripture. Now, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we, it seems like as a nation, we are losing our sight. Did you know that on the Washington Monument, which is stories upon stories, they actually built it as the highest point in our nation's capital because when the sun comes over the horizon of the east, the first thing that the sun shines upon is the top of the Washington Monument. And at the top of the Washington Monument is an honor to God. They hadn't taken that one down. That would take too much effort. But our nation is slowly losing its sight. We are becoming more and more blind in disobedience every single day. And we're not worse than any other generation. We're just like them in a multiplied way. Spiritual blindness causes us to miss out on what God has for us. Spiritual blindness will cause us to do things that we were never created to do and, and be okay with things that God would rather us not be okay with. For instance, for all of history, the United States has based their calendar on A.D. and B.C. And they began to try to change this whenever even I was in college, just a, it was just a couple of years ago, you know, times five, but I was right there and, and I remember them discussing this change and, and we just laughed at it, right? But today, today, in a town within 20 minutes of this church, and it's probably this way here as well, I'm not throwing this town or this, this curriculum under the bus, but right here close, I just heard this week from a father a God-fearing man of God, a God-fearing man that, that reading in his child's history book was an explanation of why we changed A.D. and B.C. to C.E., which is Common Era, and B.C.E., which is Before Common Era. And here was the, expl in, the explanation in the history book in the, in the state of Louisiana. This was the explanation. Because we don't want to offend anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus. Now look, look. We've been doing this for a long time. Like Jimmy Carter had a chance to set us straight a long time ago. But we are becoming more and more blind. More and more tolerant of disobedience. And, and our vision and the vision that God has for us is becoming more and more blurred because of the spiritual blindness in which we have become satisfied. And by we, I don't just mean them. I mean people in the church. Jesus was not okay with spiritual blindness. In fact, he offended other religious people by healing spiritual blindness in ways that they didn't want him to when they didn't want him to. For instance, in John chapter 9, 
As a reference, I'll read some of the scriptures, but as a reference, in John chapter 9, Jesus heals this blind man. And, uh, and he did it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. He did it by making a, a mud loogie. You can read. It's in the Bible. You don't make these things up. He hopped in the dirt. He stirred it around with his finger. He picked up the mud loogie and rubbed it in the dude's face. Now listen, if you need to be healed of blindness right now, I will meet you after service. <laughs> if we did what Jesus did, and by the way, he decided to do it on the Sabbath. Can you see his disciples? Here we go. He's about to heal this dude. I knew, what is he doing? James, get this dude. He is going to get us killed. Not me. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Peter, say something. You know what? Never mind. That gets us in trouble too. He's stirring with his finger. He picks it up. He rubs it in the dude's face. And you know what the guy does? Nothing. Because when you realize you're blind, you don't care how you get healed. But when you don't recognize that you're blind, you get offended. When you don't recognize what you can't see, and you don't know what you don't know, then instead of being anointed by God, you're offended by God. And or a man or woman representing him in that moment. But when you realize that you are blind and all you want to do is see, when you realize that you are lost and all you want to do is be found, when you realize that you are in darkness headed the wrong way and all you want to do is walk in the light and do it God's way, you don't care when he does it, you don't care how he does it, you don't care what day he does it on. And, and Jesus didn't care either. So he spit in the dirt, rub it in this dude's face, said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, from what I understand, I didn't double check this, but the pool of Siloam was not the cleanest pool. It was kind of like the River Jordan. You know, we think about the River Jordan, it's like, oh, that's God's river. No, that's a dirty river. In fact, if you read back in chapter 5 of 2 Kings, Naaman, one of the officers of another army, was offended when the man of God told him to go wash in the Jordan River. He was like, Jordan ain't going to wash your dirty bayou. I'm not getting in no gully. That thing smells. You're right. I ain't getting in it either. Unless God tells me to. <laughs> so he goes and he washes and he's cleansed. And then the religious people, the Pharisees, they do what the king of Israel does to the army that attacked Elisha and the servants at Dothan. They bring them in for questioning. And they're frustrated because... When you forget where you came from, then you become bitter about people that haven't gotten where you are. And these Pharisees bring, bring this formerly blind man into the synagogue and they begin to question him. And then the Bible says the first time of questioning, the first round didn't go so well. So in verse 24 of John chapter 9, they brought him in the second time. They called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. As if that was beneficial. Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Verse 25. He answered. Listen, I love this. The blind man who's no longer blind. 
answers. Look, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. That's all I know. I'm not here to argue with your scripture. I'm not here to argue with your interpretation. All I know is that formerly I was headed the wrong way and now I'm headed God's way. All I know is that formerly I didn't really understand what God wanted me to do and now I can't go to sleep at night without thinking what he's got for me to do tomorrow. All I know is I was this way and now I'm this way. I don't know about your opinion of Jesus. I don't know if you're offended by Jesus. I might not even be able to help you. All I know is I remember who I was before I met him and who he has created me to be since I met him. So verse 39, Jesus said to them, for judgment, hold up, because that, that don't go with the seeker-friendly, only sugar-coated version of the gospel that so many people like to hear today. For Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, brother. Yeah, 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 he did. He sure did. He did. But he also came for judgment. The Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 17 that up to this point, and I don't have the scripture, you'd have to go listen to Wednesday night's Bible study. So like five of y'all, y'all heard it, but the rest of y'all, you <laughs> go listen, we, we filmed that. When are we going to start having some Wednesday night services again? When you start listening to the Wednesday night Bible, my bad, I done gone there today, I didn't mean to, it's not even what this is about. For judgment, I came, <laughs> I came into this world that those who do not see, I love this, may see. Wait, wait, I thought judgment was supposed to be a punishment. No, no, no. Judgment is for purification. Now, whether you're purified or whether you're punished is completely up to you. I came into this world for judgment that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Those who are spiritually arrogant would be humbled. Those who look down their nose at everybody else. Those who read the Bible and think of other people that need to read this. Those who listen to the message and think of who else needed to be here to hear that that day. My bad. That went over like an onion and fruit salad. <laughs> Verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard him say these things and said, are we also blind? Jesus is so much better of a man than me. Because in that moment, I would have wanted to slap him. And or just say something excessively sarcastic that made me feel better. But that's not what Jesus did. And listen, that's not what, the, the, what we should do either. Okay, Jesus took what they said. I love this. And with stability, with stability. I want you to know, he wasn't emotional. He was empowered. Yeah. It, it could become emotional. But in stability, as a matter of fact way, Jesus responds to them in verse 41. If you were blind, you would have no guilt. In other words, if you were humble and you recognized that you were blind. See, it's not a sin to be blind. It's a sin to be okay with it. It's not a sin to be blind. It's a sin to think you're not. He says, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, 
your guilt remains. I can't do anything with you because you're too easily offended. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in chapter 4, verse 18. He said, they are darkened in their understanding. They're darkened in their understanding. Alienated from the life of God. Hold on, not, not like just the salvation life, but it doesn't just mean that. But you can't live the life that God has for you. You can't avoid the ambush by going in God's direction. Not that you're not still going to have hard times, but I love that Pastor Weston read, but, but even in the presence of the enemies, God can prepare a table. Did you know that God doesn't need the right circumstance to set you up for spiritual success? That's good news, somebody. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life that God has for them. God has so much more than this sugar-coated, seeker-only, I only want to hear what I want to hear and do what I want to do mentality that the American church is stuck in that is not biblical. Somebody asked me this week, where do you think the church will be in 20 years? I said, either sifted or stagnant. We will either be sifted or we will be stagnant, one of the two. And I don't know about you, but I want to be sifted. I want everything that doesn't belong to God to be strained right off my life. Bring the shears over, Daddy, and take away what you don't want. Just make sure that you bring the cup with the shears. Because when you get out of me what you don't want in me, I want you to start putting back in me everything that you have for me. Because I believe that what God does in me has the ability to influence those around me in this generation and the next. And if you believe it, it might be a good place to take about three seconds and praise God for using you in the worst of times. Praise God for using you with the worst of people. Paul says, alienated from the life that God has for you because of the ignorance. Now that ain't nice, Paul. You can't write that. Oh, you can't write that. Oh, you can't say that. You're going to hurt their feelings. You can't. You can't say it. You can't say it that way. Hold on. Listen. Hang on. Because the Bible does say to speak the truth in love. So you don't get to be a jerk and blame it on Jesus. Somebody need to write that down. I'll say that again. You don't get to be a jerk and blame it on Jesus. Or somebody will use you as an excuse for not inheriting his kingdom. And you may be okay with it now, but you won't be when you're sitting in the grandstands at the great white throne judgment. And you watch them scream as they're being thrown into the lake of fire. And you know that if you would have just shared the truth in a more sensitive way, that they'd be standing with you instead of being thrown in that lake. So I'm not saying that we should just be insensitive, hateful, and angry. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it was the ignorance that was in them. And the Bible says, due to their hardness. And I want you to go ahead and highlight hardness. Underline that. Circle. Do something to, to point it out for yourself. Because it was the hardness of their heart that caused their ignorance, that caused their alienation. So all you have to do is soften yourself 
to the voice of the Spirit. This word hardness, it, in the Greek, it's porosis. Porosis. It, it's very similar to like paralysis. Okay? What it, what it really means is a covering with a callus. How, how do you develop a callus? You develop a callus by doing something over and over again until you become insensitive to things that should have hurt you. What you're doing, you develop a tolerance to something that would have otherwise hurt you. And sometimes we need to be calloused for the sake of the kingdom, but often what we do is we begin to tolerate things that God doesn't have for us, and we miss out on things that God does have for us. So instead of being convicted, I'm calloused. Because it feels better to tolerate it over and over again, when I learn how to keep doing what God told me to stop doing. When I learn how not to do what God keeps telling me I should do, I become calloused and I get offended instead of being anointed. I become like a Pharisee calling Jesus a sinner instead of a blind man calling Jesus a savior. That'll preach right there. I become calloused and I get offended over the idea of giving God one dime out of every dollar. I become calloused and I get offended that a person being paid to do the work of God would expect me to do the work of God. I become calloused and I get offended Whenever I schedule a meeting with somebody and they tell me things that I don't want to hear, but it's actually exactly what I need to hear. And so they leave. And I meet with, listen, hear me, okay? I, I, don't, I like meeting with people. I really do. I just don't like when they leave and they're mad at me. It don't make no sense. I'm telling you. Like, you heard me preach enough. You know what I'm going to say. And you schedule a meeting with me, you come and sit with me, and I say it, and you leave mad. Don't make no sense. So before you schedule a meeting, down, meeting with me, call the office and schedule the meeting. Between the time that you call and the time that you come, write down, what is Chris going to say to this? Just go ahead and write it out. And read it in my obnoxious, annoying, insensitive tone. In my aggressive personality, from what I've been told. You're so aggressive. You're so aggressive. Well, you're such a wimp. Like, you do you, I'll do me. You know, what do we do? This is why I don't preach in Washington. I'm in Eunice for this right here. Right here. But we are, listen, we are not just spiritually blind. We are spiritually paralyzed because we have become satisfied with calluses instead of being pruned by conviction. Figuratively, every Greek would have understood that this word meant blind as a bat. You can't see what God has for you. Gabriel and I, we're in the deer stand, not in Texas, where we just saw like deer, like we see squirrels here. It's like, they're like blackbirds. 
We were in the stand. Adeline was like, there were so many deer in the field. I had told Adeline before we went, I was like, baby, they're going to ring a bell and all the deer are going to come running out. We had been in the stand five minutes. There's like 20, 30 deer in the field. Adeline leans over and goes, they didn't even have to ring the bell. So, Before we went there, we were in, in a box stand. I was with Gabriel in a box stand in the bottoms. Now, some of you maybe don't understand. The bottoms is a place that is muddy and nasty, and it's right by a bayou. By the way, I was not here. I was in North Louisiana, which is still in Louisiana and still has bottoms and still has bayous. You arrogant... No, okay, so still in North Louisiana. I am not a Yankee. I am a Louisianian, Okay. My birth certificate says the same thing as yours does. Okay, so we were in the bottoms beside a bayou, and if you've ever tried to hunt in a bottom by a bayou, everything, and I mean everything, looks like a deer. <laughs> everything. I have almost shot so many sticks, I'm telling you. And I'm sitting with Gabriel, and I had Gabriel in my lap because the stand wasn't really that big, and I said, okay, buddy, I need you to watch that way, and I'm going to watch this way. And, and I think he thought, like, when he gets tired, I'd say, I just need you to watch that way. That's all you got to do. So okay. I think he thought, when you get tired of watching, I'll let you watch your iPad. That wasn't my plan. When he got tired of watching that way, he's like, Daddy, I don't want to watch this. Okay. All right, watch this way, son. You sit here and watch this way. I'm going to watch this way. So we just, I keep it moving, right? You know, so I'm, he's watching. All of a sudden, he goes, Daddy, there's a deer. So I look, and I said, Where? And he goes, right there. And I said, keep your finger there. He goes. So I went. I don't see it. <laughs> Daddy, it's right there. And then he goes, I swear you can't make this up. He goes, there's two of them. <laughs> I'm like, where? I should probably be wearing glasses, but the last time I wore glasses, somebody took a picture of me in service, put it beside a picture of my 50-year-old dad, and goes, wow, you can't tell a difference. I've not worn the glasses since. <laughs> so finally, I pick up my scope, and I look through my scope, and I'm like, oh, look at that. There's two deer down there. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Similar scenario. Why could I not see the deer? Because my vision was blurry. Similar scenario, I've got same little dude and his sisters and mama because everybody thought, and my mama, <laughs> because they all thought it would be a good idea for us to all go to the fair. <laughs> if somebody tries to tell you that that's a good idea, I'm here to help you right now. Not a good idea. So here we go to the fair, yay. And they're all looking around, you know, at all the stuff. And I'm looking around like, oh my gosh, we are never going to make it out of here. <laughs> and my children are walking and they're walking like this, you know. And they're like, oh, they're just happy to be there. And then all of a sudden I look because I'm watching where we step and who we're stepping with. And, and one of my children's like, ah, and they do like this. And I see a pile of stuff. I don't cuss like you. That's not. What I, if I were gonna cuss, it would have been last week when I hit my finger with something. But I was so proud I didn't cuss, and it was on film. 
It's like, y'all go watch the video. I didn't cuss. It's not. So anyways, they went to step and I grabbed them and I pulled them up. And now obviously that scared them because they were like, "Ah," you know, I'm like, it's okay. Look, did you not see that? And then they're like, "Ah." oh, thank you. Thanks, dad. Oh, he's looking out for me. Why could they not see? Because they weren't looking. I couldn't see because my vision was blurry. They couldn't see because they weren't looking. What's the point? The point is spiritual sight is not dependent upon youthfulness and it's not dependent upon maturity. Spiritual sight is dependent upon surrender. Spiritual sight is dependent upon humility. It's when we come to the place where we go, God, less of me and more of you. Spiritual sight. It's like if I were to take this sign, this white chloroplast sign as a symbol of the purity that God has for us. Pastor Chris, security team, it's okay, it's okay. Don't, (laughs) um, I just wanted to quickly, this is awkward, I'm sorry guys. Um, That's a yellow sign, just just say it, it's a yellow, yellow sign. All right, go ahead, just Uh, Actually, sorry, (laughs) this is awkward. Um, Pastor Weston, I hate to break it to you. I know we've been talking about blindness, and it seems like, I didn't know this, but I guess you guys are colorblind because uh, that's, that's a purple uh, sign. So, so, so obviously, <laughs> this is getting weird. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, just getting a you know, family Get moment. Closer, um, so you can see that it's purple. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's obviously purple. yellow, Karis, you know. So um, I know you're from Lake Charles, but it's, uh, it's yellow. Yellow. Okay, maybe I need to talk to uh, Miss Kelsey because I, I know you like Whoa. to be right, but you know sometimes Why it, it's women okay to be always wrong. Think sometimes they're right. it's oh, okay. I'm it's purple, right. and that's just what I have to say. I'm just gonna put my foot okay, down. Okay, hang on. Hey, listen here, Elton John, just for a second. <laughs> it's purple. I, I'm gonna help both of you. I want you See, to look at the purple. sign, and then I'm gonna try not to pull your oh pretty little uh, hair, but uh, <laughs> I'm. It's a, it's a white sign. This is embarrassing. This Go is, sit down. This is awkward. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Cool. Guys are awesome. Don't even clap for them. That's terrible. You know, that's... I think you know where we're going today, but I just want to further communicate and really drive home the point that, that you can't see what God wants you to see when you're looking through the wrong lens. See, when you're, when you're looking through the lens of your bitterness instead of God's forgiveness, you can't see. I'll be gentle. When you're looking through the lens of your shame instead of God's salvation, you can't see. I'm going to come back a little stronger. When you're looking through the lens of your sin and you think that it's okay just because you've learned to tolerate it and become satisfied with things that God said to stop, and you've become satisfied with not doing things that God said to start, you can't see. You can't see because it's hard to hear from God and see as he sees when we think we already know it all. It's really hard to hear what God has to say when we don't really care what he thinks. It's really hard to accomplish what God has for us when all we ever pray is that he would bless the plans that we've already made. It's really hard to hear from heaven when we are so earthly minded. 
I used to hear the old phrase, man, you, you're so heavenly. If we're not careful, we'll become so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. But I think that we're in the place where we have become so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. Like we have arrived in a place where we are more interested in pleasing people than we are pleasing God. And the person that we're most interested in pleasing is us. See, you can't see what God has for you whenever you're looking through the lens of your selfishness and or worse, your self-righteousness. You can't hear from God when, you're, when we're not really focused. When we, when we read the Bible and we read something that we don't really like and we think it doesn't apply to us in this season. Well, I, I'm gonna do better when I get married. I, 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 I'm gonna do better when I get the new job. Well, I'll feel better when I buy the new car. We move into the new house. Listen, your next season is not the answer to your current situation. You're just gonna be upset about something else with somebody else. It's hard to hear from God whenever you read the Bible and all you ever think about is what everybody else is doing wrong. Listen, you don't spend time in God's road, in, in God's word, so he can show you what's wrong with everybody else. You spend time in God's word so he can show you what should be righteous about you. This isn't about sharing this so everybody else can hear it. It's about learning it so that you can share it everywhere you go. It's really hard to hear from God when we're inebriated. It's really hard to hear from God when we're intoxicated on materialism and success, on alcohol and prescriptions. I'm not against prescriptions. I'm against putting our faith in things that are not Jesus. Supplement whatever you need to supplement. Do what the doctor tells you to do. It's really hard. Whenever we're interested in CBD gummies, Listen, your next high is not going to be found in what you smoke. Be not drunk with wine, I believe the Holy Spirit says through the Apostle Paul, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's really hard to hear from God when you already think you know what's best for you. Come on, isn't it interesting how the enemy gives us an excuse to party in every season? And we were like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to go back to church as soon as I'm going I'm to start living for God again. Like some people wait for momentum and youth camp every year. What, what are we waiting on? In football season, it's tailgating. After football season, it's Mardi Gras. After Mardi Gras, it's summer vacation. Between all of those, it's wedding receptions. I went to one last night, and I thank God for the couple I got to minister to, and I think they did a good job. But it, it hurts my heart to see how many people are so satisfied with less than what God has. And we're, we're super spiritual and, and we attend every Sunday and we see what everybody else is doing wrong. But we haven't shared the gospel with anybody in this decade. Like nobody is in this church in 2021 because you were in this church in 2020. Or maybe they are and praise God. 
But we have become more satisfied with being calloused and feeling better about our wrong than we have being convicted and actually accomplishing the Great Commission. Where is the church going to be in 20 years? Well, the church that I'm pastoring is going to be sold out for Jesus in 20 years in the name of Jesus. The family that I'm leading is going to be all in with the Savior in 20 years. The people that are the closest to me, come on, are going to hold me accountable and be held accountable. They're going to tell me things that I don't want to hear, and we're going to talk about things that they need to hear. It is a give-give relationship, and we are going to make it in Jesus' name. John chapter 8, I'm closing with this. Verse 31, I've, I've, I've said it several times. So Jesus said to the Jews, man, this is, this is sad. Who had believed him. He said to the southerners, I don't care how you grew up. Are you living for Jesus or not? That's the only answer that, that you're going to give when you stand before God. The Jews that had believed in him, this is what he says, if, if, not because you did at youth camp or influence conference or last year's momentum or one Sunday, but if you continue, if you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciples. Verse 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I skipped this part. I want to go back to it quickly. There's this mantra out there. It's referred to as speak your truth. Just speak your truth, right? Because whatever is truth from your perspective is true for you. Listen, guys, this is a lie from the pit of hell. This is what Jesus came to confront in Roman culture and in Judaism. Like with the super spiritual and the pagans that didn't believe. Speak your truth. It doesn't matter if it feels good to you. Is it what God has for you? No, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. Not, not a truth, not your truth, but the truth. And the truth will set you free. Watch verse 40. But now you seek to kill me because I told you the truth? What I feel like God has told me to tell you? Like, you're just going to go to church somewhere else. Never schedule another meeting because I said what I believe God wanted me to say and not what you wanted me to say. And that hasn't happened recently. I'm just giving an example. If it had happened recently, I wouldn't bring it up. Unless it has. That's not what Abraham did. And then they got mad at him. Verse 43, Jesus responds, Why do you not understand what I'm saying? And, and I'm not Jesus, obviously. But I hear his heart right here. Why, why do you not understand? What do you, what do you not get? Why do, why do we keep going in that direction over and over again? Let's just repent. 
turn to God, turn away from those things. But then Jesus says, it's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Like you don't like this stuff whenever it stands in the way of what you wanted to do. You don't like this stuff whenever it starts to cut something off of you that's painful because you wanted to hold on to it. It actually made you feel better in a moment to, to, to stay bitter. But you've been looking at life through the lens of your pain instead of understanding that God wants to take that pain and use it for his purpose. Verse 43, but because I tell the truth, Jesus says, you, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin if I tell the truth? Why do you not believe me? Verse 47, here's a litmus test as we close today. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. Whoever is of God, and this word here is like a, a, a hearing of reception. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. But then he says, the reason you don't hear them, the reason that it seems like if a service goes more than an hour, you're bored, but you can watch a movie for three. The reason why you do not hear them is that you're not who you think you are. We're spiritually blind. And we need to come to a place. I'm not angry. I'm angry at the enemy. It hurts my heart. Just like it would hurt her heart if I became satisfied. Because I believe with all my heart that this word is true. And I believe with all my heart that it's only truth if it's in line with God's word. And if it's not in line with God's word, and if you use God's word to justify anything that he's trying to get you to stop, or to feel better about not doing anything that he's trying to get you to start, then you're missing it. You're missing it. My mama told me this story, and I knew this song by the time I was three years old. And I don't know if I could sing it on key, but I could sing it. I don't know if I can sing it on key today. But she would rock me as a single mother when I was two years old. And she would sing this old song. Amazing grace. Just rocking. How sweet the sound. God, I don't know what to do with this baby. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, Elijah prayed. Come on, I want to encourage you today to open your hands and prophesy this verse over you and the people that you love.
Oh Lord, said the prophet. Second Kings chapter six, verse 17. Oh Lord, open his, guys, I gotta wait until we, 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 we were supposed to fix it Thursday. I'm just going to hang on with you for a minute. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 17. Elisha prayed. You remember when, when the young man said, spiritual blindness, I, 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 I can't see it. Come on, it's okay. We're not in, I'm not in a hurry. I got to stay for another service. Elisha prayed. In verse 17, oh Lord, such a great team. Thank you all. Open his eyes. Like that time that Paul met Jesus, Saul met Jesus, and he drew back and fell to the ground. And the Bible says that the scales were placed over his eyes and he could no longer see physically. But really, his physical blindness was just a reflection of what was going on in his spirit. And then after three days, he went to a man's house and the man laid his hands on him. And the Bible says the scales fell off and he saw. Come on, let's go back to that moment and open your hands right where you are and, and pray the prayer of Elisha. Oh Lord, open my eyes and let me see. And I wanna encourage you right now to begin to pray for somebody else that you believe God needs to open up the eyes of. Open the eyes. Maybe you should whisper their name. Maybe you should intercede on their behalf. God, help them to see as you're helping me see. This is not me looking down my spiritual nose at somebody else. It's, it's praying and pleading the blood of Jesus over them that you would bring them as you've brought me, that you would save them as you've saved me. Lord, open their eyes and let them see. And then the Bible says, he looked up and he saw. He looked up and he saw. Right now, I wanna invite you, as the church is examining and reflecting, if you need to give your life to Jesus today, for the first time or the first time in a long time, if you need to commit or recommit your life to him, I pray that the Holy Spirit would tear off the calluses right now. And if you've been drifting, I pray right now that you would be drawn back. If that's you, I wanna ask you to open your hands and posture yourself in a position of surrender. And right now, I wanna invite you along with the church to pray this prayer out loud with me. Come on, let's pray it together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you forgive me, cleanse me, and save me. Spare me of my spiritual blindness. I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross. You shed your blood. You paid for my sin. You give sight to the blind. You were raised from the dead so I could be born again, made new, a child of God. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. Take my life and make it yours. I surrender all right now in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. Come on, can you give God praise today?